great song, amen? And that's what we're preaching on tonight, turning your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. I was supposed to sing tonight, and I just sung out, sung one song today, and that was, in the, that was it. Practiced with Miss Debbie before the service, and it was terrible, and I said, I can't sing. So Brother Rain just jumped right in there, seemed like he was on schedule, amen, so that's good, amen. And I know it's terrible, I know to back off, but that wasn't, that was great, amen. I want to preach on uh, a few minutes on just the first five verses or four verses of 1 John chapter 5. I want to tell you something. The Lord worked a miracle, not only taking Miss Jennifer home last Sunday night, while we was praying. That ought to tell you how valuable the prayer room is. We was praying for her the moment she took her last breath. So the prayer room's real. I mean, it's real. When you're praying for somebody and the Lord says, okay, I'll answer your prayer, I'm going to heal her completely. Eternally, I'm taking her to heaven. And the family don't, maybe not understand that, but, uh, you know, God answers prayers in ways that we don't imagine. He knows exactly what's best. Father knows best. But I want to tell you this. For some reason, my phone was not sending me messages. And if I'd have got the message at uh, 4 o'clock from the phone, I would have probably not even been here Sunday night. And then they tried desperately to get a hold of me at 5 till, and I turned my phone off because I have friends in other countries that just called me right in the middle of the service, so I had it off. And I really believe it's the perfect will of God for my wife to go instead of me. Now, I hate to say that because Daryl kept saying, I wish you'd have been here. And I said, well, I just had that obligation to preach. But something happened very special Sunday night. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to go into detail because it will hurt some families. I'm telling you, God did something special Sunday night. Miracles. Miracles in some, in some marriages. And I want you to really pray that they'll follow through with the decisions they made on uh, breathing new life into your marriage. That's, of course, through the book of Proverbs, the fear of God, the focus of God, and the flowing of God's word to each other, communication, being sweet and kind. Now, this world's too, this life's too short to fuss and fight, to complain and be pessimistic, to find criticism. Some of y'all are so insecure, you was born that way. You wasn't born that way. You was raised that way from parents that just neglected you and put you down. And so you don't know anything else but put other people down to make yourself more secure. And that's what I preached on. I had some lady uh, write me on Facebook and said, hey, listen, thanks for preaching to the men. I said, well, I didn't just preach to the men, did I? I had to go back and listen to it again. He said, yes, praise God. And, and then, then the husband wrote me later. He's not even in this church. He said, my wife was home with uh, her mother's sick, and she said amen to the message, and I don't really know what that means. And then he wrote back, and he said, she said you preached to the men. And she's making me listen to it. Amen. So I said, well, praise God. So you never know where a message goes. But I want to tell you something. I believe the message Sunday night. I'm going to continue it this Sunday night. We'll change the whole atmosphere of your home. So if you want to go ahead and exist in misery, just don't come. And you will just exist in your marriage with criticism, fussing, fighting. Um, I'm going to give this illustration Sunday night. wonder if a, a couple got in a terrible fight out in the hallway, right outside the door. I mean, just started yelling at each other. Now, wouldn't that be embarrassing? And wouldn't that be harmful for people to see in our church? 
if you did that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's just as bad for you to do that at home in front of your little children because it devastates them. They say, my word, mom and daddy's going to kill each other. And so that's what I preached on Sunday night, breathing new life into your marriage. There's life and death in the tongue. A word fitly spoken, how good it is. So we need to be appropriate, and we need to be ministering to our mate. And I'll continue the series on Sunday night. I'm not going to be in Mark anymore for a while because uh, I realize this. All these people I'm trying to preach and teach to on the couple street, they ain't there. They just show up at church. So I'm going to preach to them while they're in church. Amen? And then maybe they'll go on a couple of streets. So anyway, I just want to praise God for the way the Lord moved today, but also how he moved Sunday night, even in me not missing the service. I'm not saying I'm, I'm indispensable. Uh, somebody else can preach just far better than I can. But I had the message for the hour. And that was more important than anything, in my opinion. Now, I would have left the service. I would, I'll minister to one family and leave the service in the hands of somebody else. But God's called me to preach. And I think God's called you to listen. And I believe God's called all of us to apply it. Because, uh, folks, marriages are going down the tube if you hadn't noticed that. And some in this, and some in this church. Some, some in this church is having some real struggles. And uh, it's either going to be they're going to take these principles that I'm going to teach on Sunday night and apply them, or it's over. Uh, yesterday, I think Daryl said, he looked at me and he said, you know, Brother One, you saved my marriage. I said, I didn't save my marriage. Because I'm not capable of saving my marriage. I said, God, if anybody saved your marriage, it was God. And I thank God he might have used me in counseling y'all. But he said, no, you saved it. I said, no, I didn't save it. We almost got an argument over it. No, you saved it. I said, no, I didn't save it. I said, if I saved it, it ain't, ain't going to be saved long. Uh, it's God. But it's God's word that saves marriages. So get yourself here. And I want you to find the worst couple you know and bring them Sunday night. The worst one. I mean, somebody that fights and fuss all the time and can't stand each other and on the verge of divorce. Bring them. We won't look at them. We won't, we won't point them out. We'll, we'll minister to them. We'll love them because our church loves people. All right, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. If I can stand up for 30 minutes, you can stand up for 2. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. My favorite phrase in the book of 1 John. I want you to underline those three words. Born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begot, loveth him, also that is begotten of him. In other words, you love Christians. But by this you, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not, what? Grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. I want you to be seated as I pray and ask God to use this message on how to know if you're in love with God. Father, thank you for the great day we've had. I want to again thank you for all the laborers here, the sound man, the one that recorded this so people that couldn't come to the funeral can uh, be a part of it and hear it. And 
God, to all the good cooking and the food. Uh, Lord, I believe the whole family came all the way back from the north side of Whitfield County, came back and, and took upon this meal and enjoyed it. And God, I know it's going to make an impression on someone. Lord, I thank you for the dear lady that uh, raised her hand that said, that she rode Brother John's bus when she was just a little little girl. Still lives in the same place. I know exactly where she lives. I know the exact house. I pray that you'd deal with her heart. But God, help her to remember those days that we loved her enough to pick her up on that bus. And now, Lord, as she's having doubts about her salvation, may we help her this Saturday to have assurance and get saved. And so, Lord, please use this message. And, Lord, I've seen it. I've seen it lived out today in a lot of our people, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see, first of all, we have life in God. We have life in God, uh, and folks, the key phrase is born of God. Now, George Whitfield preached over 3,000 times, you must be born again. And another preacher friend of mine said that when somebody asked him after I posted that comment, somebody asked him, he said, why do you preach so much on you must be born again? George Whitfield, the guy, the long-haired, white guy, white-haired guy that this, this whole county's named after, he answered him and said, the reason I preach on you must be born again so many times is that you must be born again. Amen? That's pretty good, isn't it? Amen? You must be born again. Now, folks, that's the opposite of you must keep this and keep that and do that and go through this catechism and go through this law and this ritual. I was counseling with somebody who was desperately depressed uh, Thursday afternoon in my office. I mean, desperately. And I said, I'm going to tell you why you're desperately depressed. Number one, you're in sin. But number two, you're in a cult that demands regulations and rule keeping and you can't measure up. Amen. I don't know why he came to me, but praise God, I'm glad he did. Because I want to tell you something, until he gets out of that religion that requires all these works, he's going to be most miserable. And he'll never, never measure up. Because our goodness is as filthy rags. So you must be born again. And I want you to look at the birthmarks of a Christian real quick, all through the book of 1 John. If you really want to know if you're saved, Answer these verses. Mark them down. And then if you have somebody that comes to you and says, I just don't know if I'm saved or not. Now, if they don't know, how can you know? Amen. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not God. But you can know by looking at their fruits and inspecting, being a fruit inspector, not a judgmental Pharisee. And when you look at them, you can just say, hey, listen, let me give you four or five verses in 1 John of what the evidence, what the birthmark is. I know when... Um, Stephen was trans, not transgressed, breached or something and was about to die and the blood pressure, I mean the heartbeat was going down. Stephanie was already laying over the table crying and saying, come on, come on Stephen. And I thought to myself, I hope, I hope he makes it. And I was just about to pass out. And then when he came, I looked for a sign of his life. And the sign was after he was turned blue, just about gone, he took a deep breath and then he cried and looked at mama and said, isn't daddy ugly? No, he didn't say that. He said, he, he cried and that was a sign, an evidence of life. The breath was an evidence of life. 
the moving was a evidence of life. I remember as it was yesterday, you know, the first babe, babies we had, we had to stand outside next to the Pepsi machine and act like some kind of foreigner because we couldn't even go near the delivery room. Now you can go in there and referee or whatever, amen. That's a blessing. Hope a lot of you have that experience, but I'm telling you, for born of God, born of God, how can you say you're saved? If I came up to you and I said, what is the evidence of your salvation? You ought to give them these verses. Number one, go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. 1 John chapter 3, no, excuse me, I'm going to back up a little further. I don't even have it on my outline. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. The Bible says, he that knoweth that he is righteous... You know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. That doesn't say born of God, but it's implying God. You're born of God. You're born of him. What is the evidence? What is the birthmark? You live right. You live right. You repent. You turn your life over to Jesus. It's not just shooting a flare prayer. So put down uh, 1 John 2, 29 before uh, 1 John 3, 9. So you, you live right. Let me just say this. When you're saved, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things pass away, but all things come new. You have a new nature. It's a divine nature. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. A divine nature. And that divine nature wants to live for God. So do you not only have new actions, you have new attitudes. You have new appetites. Put it down. You really want to come to church. You really want to read your Bible. You really want to know God. Hey, I've never seen a baby that didn't want to have milk. I was a, I was a crazy baby. I didn't like milk unless it was chocolate milk. And that's why I'm so weakly and sickly. I didn't drink my milk, you know. But I did eat a lot of collard greens, even though I thought that was purgatory. Uh, my mother made me eat those things. Now I love them. I love them. Went to Cracker Brother the other day and ordered collard greens. I thought, man, I used to die when those things got on the table. Amen? thought they were squirmy little green worms. I said, I ain't going to eat that stuff. And I love them. I love cornbread, collard greens, mashed potatoes, and catfish. I mean, that's, 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 that's heavenly food, praise God. But I want to tell you something, friend. You have a new appetite. You have a new want to. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things, all things come new. What's those new things? You want to do right. And you realize you can't do right without the one that's in your heart doing right. And the word of God makes you right. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. And I believe it's 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Boy, I had so much. I, mean, I, I preached on what a day today. And I had so many other days I wanted to mention. One of them is the day of the Lord. You better be ready for the day of the Lord. Amen. And the way to get ready for the day of the Lord, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, is be sanctified. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. I want you to write this down. That is what's right. Now, I want to tell you what is so wonderful about the Christian life. You have a manual for righteousness. You have a book that tells you what's right. This is not up for debate. That's why we can't start translating it, Brother Jeremy, and mistranslating it and perverse uh, uh, perversions of it 
and just say, well, it doesn't say that, it really says this. It does say that. And what's right is right. And then number two, is it profitable for doctrine, for, for reproof? Reproof. That's what's not right. The Bible teaches you what's not right. And then for correction, that's how to get right. And then for instruction in righteousness, that's how to stay right. And so, folks, listen, there is no way on this earth that you're going to live right unless you read this book, unless you hear it preached as much as you can stand. Amen? Some people come to church, look like they're hog-tied, and their wife made them come. Yeah. They, look, they come in here like, oh, get it over with. God, this is a dentist appointment. This is a doctor's appointment. I'm about to get my heart transplanted or something. No, it's the greatest thing you can do is go to church if you're saved. Number two, I see in 1 John 3, 9, this phrase, born of God. 1 John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Now that will throw a lot of people out of the pew. It says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For this seed remaineth, his seed, not your seed, his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Does that mean lordship salvation? Does that mean total sanctification? You can't sin? No. Look at the word. It means continual sin. It means habitual sin. Abraham lied, but he wasn't a liar. Noah got drunk, but he wasn't a drunkard. You say, can a drunkard not be uh, saved? I want to tell you something. You'll, you'll, you'll make reasonable doubts that you're not saved if you're a drunkard. You might be saved, but you won't, be, you won't get away with it. God will whip you. You'll get pulled over for DUI or locked up or whatever. God will make sure you get caught. But folks, uh, Noah was not a drunkard. He got drunk. And then uh, Peter did not deny the Lord every day of his life after he got saved. He denied him one time, three times on one evening. And so he was not a, he was not a, a habitual denier. He denied the Lord. And so, folks, sin is an exception, not a profession. I mean, it's a, uh-oh, I'm sorry, I slipped up. And so this thing saying you're born of God does not commit sin, that means you don't commit habitual sin. You don't, it's not a way of life. And his seed remaineth in him. That's the Holy Spirit. So when you yield to the Holy Spirit, he will not sin and you will not sin. Because the one you're yielding to lives through you. Does that make sense? Folks, listen, if you're saved, born of God, you want to do right. And number two, you do live right. And you get under conviction about sin. What does Hebrews chapter 12 say? For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chastened every son who receiveth. What's verse 8 say of Hebrews chapter 12? If you do not receive chastening, then you're a bastard or you're illegitimate. It's a pretty strong word, isn't it? That means you're not really saved. Because I want to tell you something, what that's saying in Hebrews 12, 6 through 8. You can't get away with sin. You can't get away with it. I mean, the Lord loves you enough. Hey, have you ever had a mom or a daddy you couldn't get away with sin? I remember the times I tried to slip in after my curfew. And my mother had ears in the back of her head. She could hear a pin drop. Then I moved my bedroom down to the basement, and she still could tell when I was five minutes late. She'd come down there and give me a lecture and keep me awake till 1 o'clock saying, it's 12.05, son, you're five minutes late. What was you doing? Give me a report. You know what I realized? I'm Lily Cofield's son, and I thank God for her. And folks, I wasn't the little Jim's son sneaking in somebody's 
room or somebody's house because they wouldn't have corrected me like that. Now, if you're saved, you're going to get corrected. So I'm going to say this, either change or chastisement. Either, hey, change, conviction, or chastisement. By the way, if you're saved, the convictor lives inside of you. And you cannot live like you want to. I resent the church of God telling Baptists that they can live like they want to because once saved, always saved. Number one, you don't want to. And number two, you're scared to. Because you have not just a mama with a hickory switch, you have a heavenly father that can break you. You've been chastened by the Lord. I didn't walk 11 months of my life because I put sports before God. 11 months. Had my leg rebroke because one bone healed and another one didn't. And I know what God can do. He can take the rod and break you in half. He can deliver you from uh, peace and you'll have no peace. That's the first chastening. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Colossians 3.15 The first thing that should happen when you sin is peace goes out the back door. Say amen. And a person that says, oh, I can sin it. I like it. You know, and I know you can get hard, and I know you can get callous, but I want to tell you something. If you're really saved, you have a convictor inside of your heart, and you better thank God for it. Let's go to another verse. 1 John 4, 7. 1 John 4, 7. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is what? Born of God. I didn't write this. And knoweth God. But he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Hey, friend, I want to tell you this. A person that says he hates the things of God, he don't like church, he don't like going to church, he better check up. Because I want to tell you something. I love the church. I'm not talking about this building. It's pretty nice, too. I'm talking about the church, you, my brother, my sister. It's wonderful to be around you. I want to be around you. I long to be around you. And some people, it's like pulling teeth to get them to come to church regularly and faithfully. I mean, I sometimes wish we'd make up another service. We have missions conference, and half the church stays home because the new series is on where a couple of queers kiss each other or something on TV. That's happened. Happened last night. I had to turn the TV off and say, well, so much for that series. New Amsterdam's gone down the drain. Praise God. They're kissing each other. And they didn't have to do that. It was a perfectly good movie until they, they showed that part. But you know what that tells me? Whoever wrote it's a queer. Amen. I know I stepped on your favorite program, but that's all right. So I said, that one's off the list. That's gone. The psychiatrist is kissing another man, and he's married to why did they have to put that in there? I'll tell you why they had to put it in there. It's an agenda. Oh, yeah, I'm going to watch it anyway because I like it. Well, you shouldn't watch it. If the Holy Spirit's inside of you, all of a sudden, that kiss disturbed you. And if that kiss did not disturb you, something's wrong with you. That's right. Come on. I know you don't like this. Oh, I know you don't. But I want to tell you something. Two men start kissing. Ah, it bothers me. Come on. You try to do it in the pew and see what happens. Amen? Everybody scoot over a little. But I want to say this. Folks, God help us not to get so used to the dark that we get used to it. Amen? That's where we're at. America's going down the drain. 
That's right. They're going to be trying to impeach the pastor soon. Let's impeach the church. Why don't we just build something, amen? Why don't we do something for God? Why don't we start campaigning for Jesus? Why don't we start getting thrilled about anti-abortion again, amen? Babies living, breathing in America. We're in a mess. So look, 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. I wish you had a highlighter. I really do. Or a pen or something. I wish you'd circle. This is a new Bible, so i got to circle. Born of God. And when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, brother, I just don't know if I'm saved or not. Well, let's go to the Bible then. You have these verses, and then after that verse, you put another verse where you know you're going to the next verse and go over every born of God in 1 John. It'll help you. When I was a teenager, a guy got up at a youth rally and preached on born of God out of 1 John. I'll never forget it. And I said, man, that's going to help him. Boy, the altars just filled up with teenagers that had no clue of assurance of salvation until he preached that message. So love is a way of life for a Christian. And some of you are so warped in your childhood, that you have a hard time loving somebody. I'm serious. I'm not being mean. I'm not being critical. But, I mean, you never was loved. You never saw a marriage. And so you're going to act the same way they did. And that's the worst thing you could do. You had no example. Your mother and daddy was a drug addict. They were convicts. They were, you know, they just wasn't committed to nothing. They were lost all your childhood. you got to break that cycle by being filled with the Spirit of God and loving and loving and loving. And your love could reach your parents. I know I reached my daddy through love. Number three, or four, I added one, didn't I? Our text, 1 John 5, 1. It says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I like that. It says, whosoever, and this, this, I was going to get to the sermon, but I don't think I will. It says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, you cannot be born of God if you deny the deity of Christ. You cannot be born of God if you say he was just a great prophet. You cannot be born of God if you don't know who God is. God is Jesus, and Jesus is God. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three in one. That's the deity of Christ. And you say, well, I don't know all about that. You don't need to trace him. Just trust him. You're begotten. You're begotten. The Bible says, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. That means you're born again because you believed in the Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And what did Jesus Christ, the Son of God, do? And so this will really help somebody. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, they're, you know they're in a cult, you know they're religious, and you know they're trying to work. So well, I just don't know if I'm saved or not. I know I'm religious, and I know I'm a Baptist, and I know I'm Episcopalian. But I don't know if I'm saved. I said, well, listen, did you, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, what does cults think about Jesus will run them out the back door? Last night I came by after the funeral home, and that place up here, Jehovah Witness, was packed with people. And they were all going out from all over North Georgia, hitting Dalton. 
And I guarantee if they knocked on my door, the first question I'd ask them is this, what do you believe about Jesus? Is he the son of God? And they do not believe that. They believe he was a created being. They believe he was a good prophet, priest, or king, but they don't believe he's God. And I want to tell you something. The reason they don't believe he's God because they've been brainwashed all their life and they're going to hell. Believing they're right. You can believe you're right all day long. You better believe that Jesus is the Christ. What's the next one, y'all? 5-4, thank you. First, I just want to see if he's listening. 1 John 5-4, the Bible says this. For whosoever is born of God, isn't this so simple? I mean, I feel like it's so elementary, but I think we need it. You ever doubted your salvation? Don't raise your hand. It says, whosoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our works, didn't say that, but even our faith. Amen? Amen? Look at, look at this. Faith in who or what? When? Where? Look at verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. Hallelujah. That's great, isn't it? It's so plain. It's so clear. Jesus is the Son of God. And so we're born of God when we want to do right and we have a righteous hunger in our soul we hunger and thirst for righteousness 1 John 2 29 we do not habitually sin sin's an exception not a profession and if you do sin you're convicted about it 1 John 3 9 and then uh, 1 John 4 7 we're born of God because we what we love one another is, that, is this too deep? I mean, we just love God. We love God, thus we love each other. We love each other. We love the Word. We love worship. We love the church. We, love, we just love the things of God. Amen. And then whosoever is born of God, born of God, um, believeth. Believeth. That's a key word. Believeth. Jesus is the Christ. The Christ. And then we know we're born of God because we're overcomers. Overcomers. And we're overcoming by faith in the overcomer. Jesus Christ in us. The Holy Ghost in us. Then one more, one more uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but that he is begotten of God, keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now what that's saying is, friend, again, uh, you're tempted, but you don't give in all the time. You realize that you're born of God, and you do not sin as a way of life. But you're begotten of God. You're birthed into the kingdom of God. And greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. You have a defense. You have victory. You have power. Folks, without Christ, you have no power to resist temptation. Sinners sin. That's their life. Don't expect anything better out of them. That's why the world's falling apart and our country's falling apart. It's just a bunch of sinners. <clears throat> They're looking for something bad. But saints look for Jesus. And so born of God means a faith life. 
<clears throat> Let me just give you a, a strong verse, a couple of verses. Acts chapter 16, 30 through 31, and we'll try to close. Acts 16, 30 and 31. And we'll give you Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Look at Acts chapter 6, 16. Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to expose a few cults before we leave and we'll go home. Acts 16, 31, 30 and 31, the Bible says this. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, you know, it's a conversion of the Philippian jailer. A jailer that let their prisoners go would be sentenced to death. That's pretty, that's pretty strict, isn't it? You let your prisoner go, you die. And so they, he, uh, and he brought them out and, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, I'm, I'm a dead man. Y'all are free. I don't know how y'all broke out of prison, but I'm, I'm, I'm trembling. And he fell down before Paul and Silas, verse 29, and he said, what must I do to be saved? It didn't mean physically, because he saw the Spirit of God in their life and saw them praising God in the midnight hour. And look at verse 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. That means spirit of influence, oikos in the Greek. And so, friend, it's a faith life. It's by faith. It's by faith in nothing less and nothing more than Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. I want you to do one more verse. Galatians 3, 26. Then I'm going to expose four cults and we're going to go home. Uh, Galatians 3, 26. Galatians will set you free from law-keeping. It'll set you free from baptism, regeneration. It'll set you free from cults that say you've got to keep the, this and keep that and do this and do that. It'll set you free. It's a book of freedom. Galatians 3.26, excuse me. Um, I'm in Ephesians. That's good too, but that's, that's, that's not going to work. Uh, Galatians 3.26, well, it's bad when you get so tired you can't see. Uh, verse 26, for ye are all the children of God by faith. In Christ Jesus. It says you're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. It's a faith life and then it's a family life. You have relationship. You have responsibility. You, the book of John is talking about sweet fellowship. It's talking about being in sweet fellowship. And folks, if you're saved, you love one another. That's a, you pass from death and life. Because you love the brethren, 1 John 3, 14. To be born of God, one must put faith in Jesus as the Christ. There's awareness that one is a sinner. You've got to realize that. And they need to be saved. And there is an acknowledgement that you can't save yourself. So many people are trying to be their own savior. And therefore they come to Christ and they receive him by faith. It's an act of faith. The Philippian jailer asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I'll be saved. Now, if he, if he were to ask, if you were to ask a Muslim that question, he would reply, repeat these words. There is no God but Allah. And Muhammad is his prophet. Pray five times daily. Give alms to beggars, keep the fast, read the Quran, 
and make a pilgrimage to Mecca. And if you can't get to Mecca, bow on your face every day and pray towards Mecca. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. I ain't going to Mecca when I, get, when I die. I'm going to heaven. So I'm not worshiping Mecca. And I'm not worshiping Muhammad. You ask the Hindu priest that question, he would reply, observe the rules of the caste. Worship the monkey and the cow. Crawl through the dust like a measuring worm to some sacred temple. Bathe in the waters of the Ganges. Erect a temple uh, to one of the million divinities. You may escape rebirth as a reptile or a beast or a woman and become absorbed in the deity. And I don't even understand most of that. That's about as confusion as get that. It's right up the road. Just go knock on their door and take a karate class, and they'll teach you to worship by crawling through works. You ask the Buddhist the question. He would reply, forget that you have a body. Become indifferent to pleasure and pain. You may obtain the nirvana, the state of, of extinguished flame. That's what they'd say to get saved. Now, if you were to ask a Confucian, which is a confusing person, scholar, that question he would reply, study the sacred classics and learn the rules of righteousness. Confucius shows you the path of duty but cannot help you to follow it. You must save yourself. Before you make fun of the Confucius and the Buddhists and the Hindu and the Muslims, there's a lot of people that are going to churches downtown and they're very eloquent buildings and very rich people and they're going on the Sabbath because they want to keep the law and they're working. They're working and they're working and they're working for their salvation. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I'm glad it's whosoever. we got another cull on this road now. It's a Reformed Baptist church that says that some are predestined to go to hell and some are predestined to go to heaven. And if you're in the predestined to go to hell, you're out of luck. You're going to hell. You can do anything you want to, and we're not even going to go talk to you because you are predestined to go to hell and some are predestined to go to heaven. Just come on here and learn about grace. And it's so sad that they overlook that Jesus loved the whole world. And that if we're born of God... We have not only a relationship, but we have a responsibility, and that responsibility is let the love of God flow. Amen? So I hope this lesson and this sermon has helped you to help somebody that's having doubts. And if you ever have doubts, I hope you'll circle born of God or born of Him. We have, we have one other that I could show you. And realize that when you get saved, you change from death unto life. And the last time I checked, Death unto life is a big difference. Amen. And it's a beautiful difference. On Miss Jennifer's birthday, Miss Easter had a burden for her loved one named Jennifer. I said, Miss Connie, let's go visit. And on her birthday, I don't know what she was doing at home at birthday, I think Daryl was out of town. She went and knocked on the door. And 
She'd been diagnosed with breast cancer April 2003. Was it 2003? 2008. And she got saved on August 16, 2008, because somebody knocked on the door, and Miss Connie took her New Testament out in the living room and showed her not works, not righteousness, didn't tell her to come get baptized at Whitfield Baptist Church, then she'd be saved. Didn't tell her she had to work for her salvation. Just said that Jesus has paid it all. Amen. And he loves you. And you've got cancer, and I know you can't handle it tonight. And don't you want to turn your life over to Jesus and trust him simply as a childlike faith and pray and ask the Lord to come in her life. And she bowed on her knees that night. And she asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come in her life. And let me just say this. She's in heaven tonight because she simply trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and his full payment at the cross of Calvary. And I could preach with some joy and peace in my heart today knowing that our sister is in heaven. In heaven. No more pain. No more cancer. She fought it with everything she had. She was the most courageous lady I've ever met. She would cry in fear when they'd say, we've got to stick you another place, and we've got to put another port here, and we gotta, you've got to go through more radiation, you've got to go through more chemo. She'd cry with fear, but then she'd face it and say, I'm going to beat this. And you know something? Sunday night about 5.55, when I was on her knees, she beat it. But she didn't beat it. Christ beat it through her. And she's in a place there'll be no more, no more needles, no more chemo, no more radiation. Brother Butch, no more pain. No more pain. And by the way, I, I disagree with the person that said don't cry. I think you ought to cry at a funeral. I think God gives you tears like a pop-off valve in a, in a hot water heater. You ought to cry. Not for them, but for yourself. Amen. It's a good release. Amen. Praise God. I, I hope I never lose my tears. But wait a minute. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying. I wonder if Miss Connie had been raised wrong, taught wrong, and she went to that house and said, Now, come and keep these rules and regulations. and Come join our cult up the road. And I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You need to work your way to salvation. She'd be in hell, burning, in agony, more pain than she's ever experienced in her life. Right now. Right now. So, friend of mine, church, I think it's worth learning how to share the gospel and taking it to your friends and tell them they can know they're saved if they'll only believe that Jesus is the Christ. And that he died for their sins. He arose three days later. And praise God he's coming back soon. Father use the message. God I'm getting stirred up. Because Lord it's so wonderful to know our sisters in heaven tonight. And not hell. Thank you for a soul winning wife. But God thank you for a Sunday school teacher that taught my wife. And led my wife to the Lord. As a little ten year old girl in vacation Bible school and didn't teach her work salvation but taught her that Jesus 
paid it all. That Jesus' blood is enough. That we're saved by grace plus nothing, not in Christ. Lord, help us to be soul winners. Help us to be so in love with you that we love others. God, help us to yield to your spirit and be overcomers and have a life that's attractive to a lost and pitiful world that's going under and can't even get victory over habits, addictions, marriages are falling apart, losing their very sanity. God, help us to be overcomers in the essence that we give God the glory and Jesus Christ the praise and the Holy Spirit the credit for our victory that was won at Calvary. And it's won every day of our life as we yield to you. Thank you for our people loving so much today. I believe it's going to make an eternal impact on some lost soul. They're going to walk this aisle in the next few weeks and make it public that somebody came to their house after the funeral and showed them that Jesus Christ is enough. With every head bowed, every eye closed.